Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry, as we discuss today's episode entitled Judges for Sale by One Noun. Yes, a very interesting topic, one that I purposefully have waited to reschedule until today, such that some information that I needed for this series, I would have it, so that when a couple of judges locally decide to send our governor their letters of resignation, it will be duly noted. That being said, many of us have followed a lot of literature and research and commentary as it pertains to political and finance and campaign reform. And I purposely broke that down into three subject matters. Although generally when we hear about it, it's called campaign finance. But here's the reality. Most judges, both on a federal and a state level, receive millions of dollars collectively, of course, toward financing their campaigns for their judgeships. There have been proponents who assert that this is necessary in an effort to make sure that we have the most qualified judges who would be able to present his or her platform to the public. They need the resources to be able to do so. There are opponents of it who say that we are literally buying judges and to purchase a judge means to purchase justice and therefore it will result in a corrupt judiciary. We have so many different ways in which we take consideration or that we consider, excuse me, this subject matter. I think this is a subject matter that has not been discussed enough, particularly among mainstream media and the African-American community, primarily because our community is most adversely affected by corrupt judges who particularly preside over criminal cases, and as part of some of their campaign contributors, they, in essence, assist them, I call it sort of aiding and abetting, in filling bed space. And so when you look at the fact that GEO and CA are now publicly traded companies, they are the leading industries for the prison privatization of the prison industrial complex. When you look at the fact that people can buy stock in these companies, when you consider the fact that they can lobby for and or finance or assist in financing the campaigns of local judges, and I'll say federal to the extent that the federal judges who are considered for appointment, it's usually about what you know and who you know, and generally the who you know also comes with who has the money to present you to someone of interest so that a senator could actually put your name on a list so that you would be considered for a federal judgeship, be it Article Three judge or otherwise. That being said, I think it is an important discussion for us to have, and even more so when we consider that Ruth Ginsburg, our Supreme Court justice, has sort of 
thrown her hat into the race for the discussion of campaign financing, campaign reform, and whether or not judges should be recipients of campaign funding. My position on this subject matter is yes and no. My position is this. We can either suggest that judges are appointed, and where you have judges who are appointed, those judges are generally going to be self-servant to the person who appointed them. You have as much crap, corruption, racism, abuse, and politics through the appointment of judges in states like Louisiana, where there's been a cry for the appointment of juvenile court judges, for example. People tend to believe that that lessens, if you will, the realities of corruption from the bench, and I beg to differ. More often than not, where you have those judges who are appointed, they are indebted to the person who appointed them, and they will fulfill that person's agenda. And while in places like Georgia, we do not appoint juvenile court judges, state or superior court judges, as it were, ideally, your superior court judges do get to appoint who will serve on their juvenile court. Those are not elected positions. And throughout the 159 counties, you generally have incompetent, unethical, and in many rights, outright illegal judges presiding over cases, corrupt judges. We've seen it here in Georgia. We saw it in Pennsylvania where these judges were engaged in a conspiracy to knowingly, willingly, and intentionally and illegally subject innocent children to adjudication and therefore filling vacant bed spaces, and those vacant bed spaces are part of the privatization of the prison industrial complex. That is part and parcel of the problems that you have where you are appointing judges and they're not subject to public scrutiny. Where you have judges who could be the subject of public scrutiny, oftentimes that has to come through in a process that we call an election. And we're going to talk about that and how you have to get to that stage and what it costs for many to present their platform to the public. We'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry as we discuss today's episode entitled Judges for Sale, Buy One Now. Again, this has been a topic of discussion in many circles. It has not dominated the conversations among the minority community in which it should, particularly as it pertains to criminal justice and judges presiding over criminal court calendars as it pertains to the privatization of the prison industrial complex. That being said, at the break, one of the things I pointed out was the balance between individuals being appointed for the dichotomy, if you will, and individuals who are subject to election. In order for many to present their platforms, if any at all, to the public, it's generally done by means and by way of being financed, having a campaign that's financed. Truth be told, because of the manner in which we elect judges and the timing, meaning the general election for most of the seats throughout the United States. Judges are the least or at the bottom of the token pole, if you will, as it pertains to presenting their agenda or their platform. And because they are nonpartisan, individuals do not get to vote for them 
based upon their political affiliation. What is happening in states like Georgia is where a judge is ready or has to give up his or her seat. What strategically seems to happen is rather than that judge's seat being available and open to the public, he or she decides or is decided for them to step down or to resign. The ironicness, if you will, of it is that at the time that they step down or are forced to step down, the governor then comes in and gets to fulfill that seat by way of having a judicial nomination committee. I personally know, because I've, been, I've interviewed before the committee, that the parties that I interviewed before were predominantly all white males and females. There were only two females at that meeting. And where you have a state like Georgia, that you have Atlanta and then the rest of the state, where we market the metro area of DeKalb, Fulton, Gwinnett, et cetera, as being these diverse townships or counties, the reality is that the judgeships in Georgia are predominantly white, as they are throughout the country. Former Governor Zell Miller had done a great job of appointing and engaging in diversity. I have never been one who believes, and I've said this and I'll say it again, that judges ought to be determined by diversity, gender, or race. I don't care about the race of a judge. Let me say that again. I have no respect or person. I do not care about the race or the gender of a judge. What concerns me is the race-related issue. If there's a platform that's going to be ran, what are the issues raised in your race for election? I don't care what the agenda of a candidate is, whether for president of the United States or for judgeship. I am concerned about your agenda and how do I or my community or the needs and the concerns of me or my community fit into your agenda, if at all. So where there's been a lot of talk in Georgia and in many other jurisdictions come the 2016 election that the judiciary needs to be diverse, be careful what you ask for because a black judge doesn't necessarily rule favorably or any more favorably to black defendants or plaintiffs in a courtroom. And you need more than a smoke screen. You need someone who believes in justice and understands the oath of his or her office or the duties, and not someone who's motivated strictly by race, class, or gender. That being said, the reality, however, is where you are financing a campaign, generally, more often than not, the persons capable of raising the most money will generally be in any jurisdiction in the 50 states within the union, a white individual. And that is just our reality. Hence, we do have where our president of African origin was able to raise millions of dollars and win a second term. But when it comes to local races, the election races, that is, statistics, and research clearly established that white candidates are more likely than not to raise enough capital to be able to advance their campaign or to set forth their platform. 
During many elections, we do not call upon our judges to debate. And as such, the population as a whole, seldom if ever at all, knows the platform of the person to whom will be the judge. There are several races that because individuals had more money than others, like Clayton County, where in the 2008 election, it was almost inconceivable that an entire white group of judges would win judgeships over black candidates. The 2008 election was the election that President Obama won. Blacks in Clayton County, Georgia, came out in numbers. So it's impossible to believe, is it? The flip side of it is, look at the money that was invested by these white candidates for judgeships clerk of court, its district attorney, et cetera, in comparison to the blacks who ran, look at the platform because there wasn't any in terms of their overall agenda. But if you look at the numbers, the Secretary of State maintains these records at the Board of Elections. If you look at what was raised by the white candidates and what they used to advance their quote-unquote campaign, you will find they outspent the black candidates. Is that strictly based on race? In many regards, it is. The resources generally made available to white candidates outseeds that of many African-American or Latino uh, candidates. And so that is why there is a cry for fair play. I don't necessarily like to use the word campaign reform. I think the real term is fair play. How can we establish a fair playing field such that candidates, regardless of their race or socioeconomic background, platform can readily be made available to the public. And where you have law firms, attorneys, prosecutors, and judges and the like who are able to finance a prospective judge's campaign, you are doing more than simply paying for a campaign. You are buying a vote, buying a verdict, buying an outcome. And there are not enough safeguards to provide citizens the protections that they need such that where you have a judge in a courtroom, for example, in 2008, Catherine Lumsden was appointed by Governor Perdue in Georgia to preside over the Houston County Circuit. When she did, I personally had a case to appear before her on behalf of a client at the time. And that individual's coat, the opposing side's attorney, was someone who worked with Katie in the district attorney's office. Katie had not been out of the DA's office for like 30 days before that case went before her court. Okay? From she had been appointed the earlier part of that year, the case presented itself to her, realistically speaking, a few months later. So here is someone that you had a relationship with that worked in the office with you. So obviously you would move to recuse that judge, right? She didn't recuse herself at the time, but I'd move to recuse her for that same principle of fairness and impartiality, the things that we look for in a judge, the things that should happen automatically. Federal court judge in the Northern District also serves for Rome and Noonan, Judge Timothy C. Baton, Article Three judge, I've moved to recuse him because of his relationship with 
the, uh, Robert E. Turner and others that were part of a case that I presented questioning the constitutionality of five Georgia criminal statutes. He didn't recuse because the guidelines don't force him to do so. They don't have enough in place to really say to the judges, this is a conflicting situation. You need to be recused from it. When I asked, although he's Article Three, let me see if you've ever assisted in the financing of any of these judges or the governor or Sam Olings or anyone else who may be affiliated or could benefit directly or indirectly from the outcome of this case, I never received that documentation. And I know that I'm supposed to be entitled to it or that I was supposed to be entitled to it. So where you have those scenarios where you have judges presiding over cases where there could very well be a conflict of interest based on financing, there are not enough safeguards in place to protect the judiciary from the appearance of impropriety or the appearance of outright corruption. We'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry as we discuss today's episode, Judges for Sale by One Noun. Sounds like a very strong, strong, strong statement, doesn't it? Almost could lend itself to questioning or being disrespectful. But no, that's a First Amendment right that I have. And there's Sherry Jefferson and there's attorney Sherry Jefferson. And then there's citizen Sherry Jefferson. And where our U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Ginsburg has sort of thrown her hat in the ring to say there is a problem. She, like most Article Three judges, they're not subject to election. But then there's another problem. Because where you have judges who have lifetime appointments or who are not subject to anyone but a congressional hearing, as to whether or not they remained on the bench, there's as many opportunities for corruption in that regard than it would be if I gave a judge a million dollars to advance his or her agenda and allow them to preside on the bench. Again, safeguards being in place. And where we have, in many regards, Article Three judges and or uh, judges who do not have to be the subject of an election, the other problem that you have is how long is too long for you to be on the bench. In every sector of society, politically speaking, there are term limits. The President of the United States has a term limit. Members of the Congress and House, the Senate and House have term limits. Judicially speaking, judges are the only ones with the district attorney's office who don't have term limits. Isn't that interesting? So you could be a judge or prosecutor in jurisdictions throughout the United States for your lifetime. But you can't preside and you cannot be the president for more than two terms or a member of Congress or governor or state legislature or mayor. Everyone else has term limits except for judges. Why? 
the biggest lie and misrepresentation was, well, if you give them a term limit and they leave office before cases decided, that can interrupt the, the administration of justice. That's hocus-pocus nonsense. And there are other words that could best describe that. Because the fact of the matter is if they run and they lose, you're in the same predicament anyway. The reason why we don't do it is because it gives them that power to be able to make sure as far as I see it and as my eyes would see it and through the lens of many others, they have to fulfill as many political agendas and favors as possible. You're not going to tell me that everybody else requires a term limit except for a judge and a prosecutor. Why are the individuals who are most likely and who are whose professions, if you will, are governed by constitutional safeguards prosecutor, prosecutorial misconduct, right, who you could prosecute, who you can't, judges, that we have a fair and impartial judiciary. These are constitutional safeguards, fundamental protections, constitutional safeguards. That's what we afford them, or that's what they're to afford us. But we don't trust them. We don't have our faith in them. When you look at a federal judge in Atlanta, Georgia, who had a Puerto Rican prostitute, who he specifically would lay in the bed and tell her stories about him engaging in discriminatory practices against African-American males. And somehow, some way, that information made its way back to the United States Department of Justice. Now, how long did it take before they acted on it? I don't know. But what I do know is that the Supreme Court of Georgia reinstated him. So here's a judge that knowingly and allegedly willingly discriminated, violated his oath of office, was with a prostitute, which is illegal. He is then arrested. He wins his appeal. Who was on the appellate court in this circuit? What friends did he have in high places? He gets his decision overturned, and then the Supreme Court of Georgia reinstates him to practice. The bigger issue and this is why I waited this long to do this show, there are other judges who are having sexual relations with prostitutes. At least his was 18 years and older. We'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry, as we work toward concluding this episode of a three-part series entitled Judges for Sale, Buy One Now. We tend to believe that the only way a judge could be for sale is through the campaign or election process, and that's not correct. You have a lot of judges that are engaged in illegalities or inappropriate or unethical acts around this country. Some are court and some are not. Some are as visible as the federal court judge from the Northern District in Atlanta who was engaged in a prostitution case. Others are like the judges in Pennsylvania who knowingly and willingly were sending children off to be incarcerated. Others are like the judges in Bainbridge, Georgia, who allegedly were engaged in sexual relations with some girls from juveniles. And the list just goes on and on from coast to coast where there are judges who have abused their positions of authority. But you do have as many judges who just don't get caught. So if you have judges, federal court judges, state court judge, 
three magistrate court judges and one superior court judge engaging in sexual relations with underage children who are victims of a sexual exploitation, sexual slavery, or human trafficking. And those judges need favors to be gotten, or someone relies on them for favors, and their favor is you don't tell on us, we don't tell on you. That type of corruption keeps a judge on the market, judges for sale, buy one now. Where you have attorneys that are arrested for selling drugs, you then have to ask that person, which judge in your circuit was your client? And what kind of pills did that judge buy from you? Was it Vicodin, Percocet, Oxycontin, Molly's? And do you personally know of any judges that have taken the bench under the influence and have made decisions while under the influence? What about judges that will knowingly engage in relations, sexual relations, that is, with members of the prosecutor's team or defense counsel? and then preside over cases, making favorable decisions based upon his sexual relationship with a prosecutor or defense counsel. So the corruption is not limited to campaign reform. It's given the public an opportunity to examine members of our judiciary. And I respectfully say, from the American Bar Association to local bars. We don't make this a topic of conversation amongst the legal profession. The black community doesn't make it a topic of discussion as it pertains to race matter agendas. What is important to our community? How do we reach a number where in 1970 the United States only had 1 million Mexicans and today it's 22 million according to the Pew Research Center census records for the Hispanic community. How do we get there? If we're trying to protect our borders, how do we get there? There were 11 million African Americans in 1970. There's only 12.6 in 2015. Mass incarceration would be one of the reasons. A war on drugs, a so-called purported war on drugs, another. Who do you need? to advance that self-serving agenda. Judges, prosecutors, prosecutor and prosecutorial misconduct, maybe. A corrupt judiciary, more likely than not. So when we all have this conversation about judges for sale, buy one now, you could buy a judge a dime a dozen And until such time that we put them under a microscope and until such time that we subject their elections to as much debate as we do the president, why would I necessarily care what the presidents are thinking about? Who should I be more concerned about, my local government or the federal government? Depends on which lens, right? If the glass is half empty, maybe I need to be more concerned about what happens in my backyard than what happens on a federal level. If the glass is half full, it might be the latter. And so because in this country we don't take enough time to consider our judiciary, most of us are subject to a corrupt 
judiciary. And I'll be developing this topic over the course of the next few weeks. In the meantime, I'm sure there may be a few judges that might want to sit down with our governor. I think he takes letters of resignations, right? Good day. Thank you for joining me. Sherry Jefferson on Live with Sherry. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.